Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And in this week's episode, we're going to be looking at the uh, Boston Red Sox trade deadline, why they didn't do a lot of big moves or really much at all, and what that could mean for um, their team, playoff hopes, etc., etc., and go from there. So the Boston Red Sox on deadline deal made one move and one move only. Um, they were in rumored reports on a bunch of other stuff, but only completed one trade. Um, Brewers infielder Luis Uras, uh, Tuesday evening, um, and uh, they got uh, Bradley uh, Baylock going to um, the Milwaukee Brewers in this deal. So Uras was in AAA with uh, the Brewers. He was in the majors, got brought down. He is now with uh, AAA Worcester uh, with the Red Sox. Um, I don't know anything on Bradley uh, Block, uh, Baylock, um, but uh, this move uh, was sort of a low-risk, high-reward type trade. Um, I don't really know too much on Uris's career in general, but he's under team contract through 2025. Uh, this is from Boston.com. Um, and 23 home runs, 75 RBIs during the 2021 season. He batted just .239 in 2022, but still got 16 home runs and 47 RBIs over 119 games. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's had some issues. Um, .145 ERA, .299 on base percentage, .236 slugging percentage, one homer and five RBIs in 20 games since returning from, uh, he was injured returning from the IL and was brought down at the end of June to Nashville in the AAA um, program for the Brewers. And so I think this is just bolstering potentially um, your infield. Um, I don't really know if they had a specific need for an infielder, but if he can be a better option than Christian Arroyo or Yu Chang, um, then I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, obviously, Trevor Story is going to come back eventually, and that's going to help out a ton. Um, but this is what we got, you know. They traded Kike Hernandez for a couple of relievers, minor leaguers. They also traded away um, some stuff and got a reliever from the Giants. Um, and then now there's Luis Urias. So that's the situation there. Um, Brian O'Hallahan, the Red Sox general manager, met uh, talked on WEEI Greg Hill show about sort of the deadline and what was going on and, and everything. Quote, I think we did a number of small things that helped us, but we weren't able to line up on anything that was kind of a bigger need move. Starting pitching, I felt like was a bigger need move, but they didn't do that. Um, you know, uh, we talked about a lot of things, but just none of them ended up making sense. There weren't a lot of impact players that were moved during the deadline. Uh, there was reports that the uh, Verlander situation uh, before the Astros, he was interested, or the Red Sox were interested in bringing him in, but they didn't end up doing that. Um, I think with the amount of pitchers they had, maybe they didn't want to make any of those moves. Um, and so uh, O'Halloran also said, quote, we talked to the players, we talked to them before the deadline, we talked to them after the deadline and explained as best we can what we're thinking now we've turned the page uh, past this deadline. I think a lot of guys breathe a sigh of relief. 
that we didn't end up trading some players off this team. The group is focused on the future and trying to secure a playoff berth. Red Sox are like two, three games back of playoff contention, so clearly they're not uh, out of the race completely. Um, so basically it means that they were kind of um, hoping to just keep what they have and maybe it works um, you know getting them where they need to go um, and uh, unfortunately um, you know it sounds like uh, some moves were out there that just didn't happen and you know I think uh, you know there were some teams that had uh, some potential moves uh, that took place and maybe if they didn't happen the Red Sox could have gotten on something like with Verlander um, there was some sources that said that the Red Sox had extensive discussions with the Marlins about trading Justin Turner, um, and they actually pursued him last offseason. Um, and, uh, yeah, it didn't happen. Um, and so the Red Sox stuck with what they had, and that was, um, that was, uh, where they were. Um, and... It's very interesting to see the Mets uh, looked to move Verlander, and they did Scherzer, and they did, and so um, obviously uh, that is um, that's what happened. And you know the Red Sox made some moves that maybe helped adding some relievers, and you know we'll see where it goes. Um, Trevor Story um, apparently. Uh, wanted to stick around in AAA a little bit longer, get some more rehab assignment, um, and uh, sounds like he doesn't want to rush things, and it doesn't sound like the Red Sox want to rush things. Um, I think getting him back healthy is about as good of a situation as you can get, and uh, for me, that's very, very important because um, if we go to the playoffs, we want a healthy you know, shortstop there, and we want someone who is uh very very good um and playing well and not someone who is in and out of the sort of um you know situation with injuries they want them healthy or as healthy as you can get so that's important so um hopefully the red sox can really um get some damage uh done and go from there uh making the playoffs potentially so that's uh important so uh, I want to switch gears and talk about the Patriots for a second and talk about training camp and practice and the majority of you know things going on there. Um, and there are a few things to talk about. First and foremost, in one of the more recent um, training camp practices, um, there was uh, some issues with Jack Jones where he um, got into... Uh, a tussle with uh, Kendrick Bourne um, and uh, ended up getting um, kicked out of practice. Uh, obviously, he's had um, some issues with um, some uh, criminal charges, potentially. He's got a court case coming up um, August 18th uh, for um, his uh, weapons charge. So, I don't think Jack Jones is going to be sticking around, and I'm honestly surprised Belichick's kept him this long with the roster, just because I feel like Belichick is a no-nonsense guy, and this is 
Jack Jones all nonsense. Um, so I uh, just I just don't really know um, exactly why it seems like they're still rolling with him. Um, he is a good cornerback, but there's only so much you can do, especially if you got um, all sorts of uh, problems. Antonio Brown was a great great wide receiver, but he ended up getting uh, let go as well with the Patriots, which. Um, it sounds like uh, in a lot of cases they don't really care as much about how good you are. They care if you're an actual, you know, good, um, you know, no-nonsense player. And it doesn't sound like uh, he's going to be the easiest to work with, so we'll see where that goes. Um, now, there was uh, two players in preseason football, training camp football, that have uh, shined in different days and uh, have shown us maybe a little bit of a glimpse of a wide receiver, and then some who haven't, um, and I kind of want to talk about that. So um, for the um, Patriots, there have been two uh, wide receivers who were drafted this year, both of which in the sixth round, who basically shined in their practices and um, they looked pretty good. Uh, Keyshawn Boutte, who was the LSU wide receiver who many pegged as a second-round pick at times during the sort of pre-mock drafts. Uh, there were a lot of mock drafts I saw with him going in the second round um, and uh, even at times the first round. Um, and then eventually kind of uh, it slipped um, and then he ended up getting drafted in the sixth round by uh, the Patriots. And then um, there was the Liberty wide receiver, uh, DeMario Douglas, who also looked very good in training camp in the early stages. Um, and uh, one thing that I noticed was that these guys were really trying to show off their skills. Um, and in a lot of ways, both of these guys were flyer picks. Um, and case of DeMario Douglas, you know, uh, wide receiver from a small school hoping to, you know, have a big impact on this team. And in the case of Keishon Butte, someone who went to obviously LSU, which is a much bigger school, and hoping that, you know, the team can make something out of him. Maybe the next Justin Jefferson or Odell Beckham Jr., who also went to LSU. Now, one guy who has looked very... Um, lackluster, if you will, is Taekwon Thornton, who has been a big disappointment. Um, uh, yeah, not the greatest look from Taekwon Thornton. And there are a lot of people who are saying that it doesn't look like he is really panning out in a way that we would expect. Now, this is something that is very um, tough uh, to watch, in a sense. Um, because a lot of us out there want Taekwon Thornton to succeed in part because he was a second round pick and Belichick hasn't had success with top first round, second round pick wide receivers where um, he's had far more success with sixth round picks, seventh round picks, fifth round picks, undrafted guys. And Taekwon Thornton, everybody was hoping to be great because it could kind of give us assurance that Belichick can draft wide receivers and top wide receivers. And a lot of people 
didn't want the Patriots to draft Jackson Smith Najigba or Quinn and Johnson or any of these top wide receivers in this year's draft because they felt like, oh, he can't draft top wide receivers. And then there were others who said, well, we already have Tyquan Thornton, so why should we go for one more? If Tyquan Thornton doesn't pan out and Kayshawn Boutte, Demario Douglas, those guys pan out, then that basically just means that Belichick just takes flyers on guys and they work because they have a chip on their shoulder, a grind. Like Kayshawn Boutte being a sixth-round pick could have this chip on his shoulder because he was projected at some point to be a top pick in the second round, um, maybe even a late first-round pick, and now he slips all the way to the sixth round. So there could be a chip. He could be the next great wide receiver. And so for the Patriots, they haven't, under Belichick, had great wide receiver success in the top rounds. They've had the success coming from guys like Julian Edelman, who was a seventh-round pick, Jacoby Myers, who was undrafted. And so it seems like when it comes to the Patriots and Belichick in his drafting, he has not a lot of success with top-wide receivers. And if Tyquan Thornton plays bad and has a bad season, um, I saw on Reddit a bunch of people talking about him uh, and some were like, oh, well, maybe if he doesn't play well in training camp, he could get cut. And I hope that doesn't happen, but I guess you never know if they only have a certain amount of spots for wide receivers. Let's just say Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, and Juju Smith-Schuster are locks. Um, and then let's say Kayshawn Boutte and Demario Douglas both have stellar training camp. It's very hard to see them just give up on those two guys who have potential for someone um, like Taekwon Thornton who might not pan out and Obviously, Belichick is the type of person that makes those moves. Obviously, choosing Tom Brady over Drew Bledsoe. You know, he's made other moves in the past, getting rid of and releasing guys in training camp. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Tyquan Thornton doesn't have a spot. And it would be tough because there were so many people who basically said our first two picks were garbage. Cole Strange and uh, Tyquan Thornton. Cole Strange, the jury's out. We don't know if he's going to be a top 10 player, top 5 player, top anything. Um, for the Patriots, who knows if he's even going to have a good year. Um, but he has a lot more potential uh, than Tyquan Thornton, who apparently looks like he's one foot out the door. And so if both of those guys don't pan out, then the Patriots basically look like idiots for drafting guys way higher than they should have been. And maybe... If that's the case, Belichick might need to give up his job as the guy in charge making these moves on draft day. Because we already know Robert Kraft is not too happy with how things have been going. And he wants this team to take the 180 and make some moves to get better. And if you got someone who's been making these moves, drafting players for so long and it doesn't work out, well, what are you going to do? And I think, you know, Belichick has been getting a pass for so long because he was successful. You know, when Tom Brady was there, they won championships. Six of them. And so that gives you a lot of leeway. So when he left, Cam Newton came in. You know, now you have Mac Jones, other guys coming in. Like, obviously, that's going to be a situation where if they don't play great, Belichick still kind of saves face a little bit because of what he's done for this organization. Sort of like Greg Popovich in San Antonio. Obviously, with Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Ginobili and whatnot, you win championships. Obviously, that gives you a little bit of breathing room if like they are right now not the greatest team and 
Victor Wembanyama is joining the team, and he looks very good. Number one overall pick. But, you know, a lot of those great coaches get that sort of a pass, right? There was a time when Miami wasn't that great with Spolstra after the big three kind of dissolved. Uh, they had Tyler Johnson, and they had Kelly Olynyk, I think. And they had some other just guys. James Johnson, I think, was there. Just god-awful contracts, god-awful players, 2016. But he was still there as a coach, and um, you get sort of a leeway a little bit. You know what I mean? And I think also Doc Rivers is the perfect example as well because he won championship with the Celtics, made it to the finals again in 2010. He has been coasting off of that for his whole coaching career. And he was uh, not the greatest head coach with the 76ers by any stretch of the means. They made the playoffs but couldn't do much. And he kind of got a lot of passes and he probably got a lot of opportunities for jobs because of his Celtics championship. So Belichick gets a little bit of a pass, but it could get to a point where they're like, yeah, this is the end of that, and it's time to move on. So who knows um, how this team is going to look, what the players will be, the wide receivers, etc., etc. But um, Taekwon Thornton's not looking so good, and if he doesn't have a great year or he gets cut or whatnot, that's just going to be another bad look for Belichick's credibility on drafting wide receivers. He can draft a lot of great positions. Belichick, honestly is amazing and this is just something i found amazing at drafting um defensive players at the top of the draft and amazing at drafting offensive players at the bottom great wide receivers running backs offensive tackles linemen uh on the offensive line uh all of which came at the sort of back end of the draft five six seven um undrafted defense first round second round you know you have so many great, talented defensive players, obviously, um, at the back as well. But majority of that comes at the front. Defense, very good at drafting the top picks. And, you know, you have Keon White and uh, Christian Gonzalez, both of which look like they can be studs. Um, Gonzalez especially. First round pick. So Belichick is definitely, in my opinion, better at drafting defense in the first few rounds and then better at drafting offense in the second uh, half of the draft. Um Day three guys, uh, if you will. Sometimes day two guys, but third round. Uh, uh, but uh, you don't get a lot of Gronkowski's out there. Second round pick, great player, stud, Hall of Famer. You get a lot of, um, you know, more so sixth round, seventh round. Um, Tom Brady, sixth round pick. Julian Edelman, seventh round pick. Um, that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Uh, so we're going to move on from there. Now... Switching gears to the Boston Celtics, Celtics apparently made an offer to uh, Siv Mikhailuk, who is a sharpshooting free agent. Um, they got rid of, uh, released Justin Schimpetti. Um That opens up a roster spot. I think there's uh, two full-time and one two-way roster spot open. My guess is uh, one of the two-way spots will come from Summer League guys um, or some Summer League guy. And then... Um, the other two spots, who knows what's going to happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, the Celtics have $4.2 million in breathing room below uh, the second apron. So I don't expect them to, to try and um, get anywhere close to jumping over that number. They offered uh, Siv Mikhailuk a contract. Um, he is uh, someone who could go back to, to Europe. Uh, he could uh, join 
Celtics if he wanted. Um, I don't know exactly what is going to happen there, but uh, he is a uh, wing, uh, three-point shooter, got a lot of talent, um, and so there's uh, there's that potential um, situation um, that could end up taking place. Um, so that's uh, yeah, that's something to uh, to watch. Um, I also want to talk about something um, involving um, a TV series, if any of you guys have seen it. Um, so I watched season one of the TV show Winning Time, which is on HBO, and it focuses specifically on Magic Johnson as the focal point, and it juts off from there with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the show, uh, someone portraying him, uh, and uh, John C. Riley is in the show portraying uh, Dr. Jerry Buss, who owns the Lakers during their 80s heyday. Now, one of the things that I like about the show is it shows um, another side of the Magic uh, basketball, and it shows sort of the Hollywood side of it all. But one of the things I don't like about the show, and this is just from a Celtics perspective, is they try and portray the Celtics as the bad guys. They try to portray Red Auerbach as the bad guy. I think Michael Chiklis plays him. Uh, and then there's someone, I don't know the actor, but he plays Larry Bird, and they try to portray him as like an antagonist. And so it's a very um, poor representation of how things are because you have one-sided, um, like Magic's this like larger-than-life figure, he's great, and Larry Bird's just this bad guy, and I, I just don't really like that per se because I feel like obviously... Um, you know, the Celtics are a great team, and so are the Lakers, and um, I just don't really think, uh, you know, I don't really think that's fair portrayal, per se. And it's not like anyone's going to go out there and make a documentary like this, or I should say a TV show like this, on um, the Celtics um, from the Bird perspective. Um, so uh, that's something to, um, I just wanted to talk about that. Um, per se. Uh, next is something involving uh, Danilio Gallinari that I saw. Um, and uh, apparently, um, you know, there was something um, about uh, Gallinari uh, talking about how he's looking forward to when the Wizards play the Celtics and he's going to get revenge. Um, quote, this is what he said, I can't wait to play against Boston. When the schedule will be unveiled, I'll put next on the games we play against uh, play at Boston against the Celtics, which I think he also just said um, JK or just kidding at the end or something. But everyone likes to take it out of context. And there has been this mantra over the last few years with um, obviously uh, certain players, Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, etc., who don't want to come to Boston. There's a mantra that apparently uh, Boston is bad uh, to their players. And uh, a lot of people thought, oh, they did Isaiah Thomas dirty. Um, Isaiah Thomas poured his heart and soul out for the Celtics and then they traded him. I mean, if you're sitting in Danny Ainge's shoes and you have an offer on the table for Kyrie Irving, who at the time was an all-star point guard who just won a championship with the Cavaliers, you trade him for a undersized point guard. Isaiah Thomas had a lot of heart, but that can only get you so far if God gifted you um, a short uh, height 
in the NBA, that doesn't always work. Um, and so obviously, in general, Boston sports gets this bad rep, and I think that's because we just win. Like, we're just champions, and everyone's just fed up with it. And so, you know, when Isaiah Thomas got traded, they tried to make that a story. Oh, they did him dirty. You know, I honestly just think they were making a good basketball move. And if you don't think in sports, if you get traded, it's like doing you dirty or it's something wrong. You got to look at it from the perspective of it's a business and they don't have to keep you around. And just because you play somewhere doesn't mean that, you know, at the end of the day, you have to stay there. Isaiah Thomas was an average point guard before he came to Boston and a uh, average, below average point guard after he left Boston. I just don't know why the media always has to portray Boston as this like uh, bad place and they try to push people away. And, you know, obviously the people and players who have come here, perfect example, Kevin Garnett, loves Boston. He's come here. He didn't want to come here at first, but things changed. He came and he loves it. And he's like a spokesperson for the Celtics. So obviously there are a lot of people who don't want to come to Boston. Uh, but when they do, they love it. And then in Gallinari's case, you know, it's sort of the same thing with Isaiah Thomas. Are you going to keep Gallinari if you could get Kristaps Porzingis, who fits this team like a glove and is such an overall better player? Like, is Gallinari going to score you 20 points a game? No. He's 6 points, 8 points, if you're lucky, 11. He's not going to get you 22 points in a game. He's not going to get you 30 points in a game, like, consistently, you know? And Porzingis is not going to get you 30 points in a game consistently, but he can get you 18 and 20 points. He can get you close to a double-double consistently, which Gallinari can't give you that. And so I don't think Gallinari really has ill will feelings. He came to Boston, obviously, and signed here, and he opted back in, and then they traded him. But, you know, I think the media just wants to find something to throw at the Celtics, as they tend to always do, which isn't right because... The mainstream media, to be honest, is New York and L.A. And what do they not like? Boston. New York hates Boston teams. Lakers hate the Celtics. Simple and easy, you know? And the big market overpowers everything else. 